Hello, this is Michael Novenson with Information Security Media Group. I'm joined today by Mark Rogers. He is the Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy at Okta. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm good. And you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thanks so much for making the time. My pleasure. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about ransomware today. I know we're halfway through 2022. Wanted to get a sense of what you're seeing around ransomware trends, in particular, how uh, the behavior of attackers has changed since the start of the Russia-Ukraine war five months ago. What are some of the biggest changes we've seen in uh, the behavior of threat groups around ransomware since then? Yep. Uh, so there's good news and there's bad news. Um, the The good news is we're seeing a lot more progress on the sort of um, public-private partnership side of combating ransomware. Um, we've been slowly ramping up to try and attack the entire ecosystem because, as we've seen with some of the groups, like uh, the group that attacked Colonial, for example, uh, you can go after an individual group, but ultimately, even if you manage to break them apart, they're likely to pop up in different forms because the criminals are still out there and they just look for another way to channel their efforts and come up with a new name and and, and continue creating uh, chaos. And so we're now going after sort of the very foundation, the bedrock that leads to um, ransomware, the, the things that make it profitable, the things that make them hard to prosecute. And obviously this is not something the private sector can do alone. It's something that we need collaboration from um, federal agencies, uh, from statesmen, from law enforcement, so on and so forth. And we're now starting to see that, and it's having a pretty a pretty good effect. Um, I'm part of the IST uh, Ransomware Task Force. We just put out a, a report showing that out of the initiatives cited in our original ransomware recommendations report, um, about 80% of the uh, uh, initiatives have had some sort of progress and something like 20, 25% of them have seen significant progress. And, you know, it's good news. It shows we're moving in the right direction. There are some interesting curveballs. Like you mentioned Ukraine, um, the sanctions that came as a result of the, the Russian aggression towards Ukraine have led to some really interesting effects across the uh, criminal ecosystem because, you know, obviously at the end of the day, bad guys just want to get their money. Um, and since a lot of them are using things like um, shady exchanges to hide cryptocurrency and cash out systems that were local to them because they were safer to use, well, a lot of these things are being hit. And that means it's getting harder for them to cash out. And that's causing them difficulty. Um, we also saw recently the uh, Conti leaks appear. Um, this was, you know, allegedly a disgruntled uh, member of Conti who was on the Ukrainian side who, after seeing Conti's move towards pro-Russian activities, threw down and dumped as much information as he could. The result of all the exposure is that the Conti group has basically broken apart now. Will they resurface? We, we don't know right now, but this is a great opportunity for us to ramp up the pressure and start hitting them. Now, I did say there was some bad news. The bad news is ransomware is still surging um, and the attacks are actually getting simpler. So now we're starting to see a greater occurrence of things like um, 
simple uh, ransomware attacks where they don't even use malware, where they just break into a company, steal its data, and then try and ransom it back to them. The problem with this is it's it's making ransomware more accessible to everyone. So we still have work to do. Um, Anisa just published a report uh, saying that I think, you know, um, something like 80% of ransomware goes unreported. Um, and it, it's not surprising because if you look at similar reports from the FBI, um, IC3 on f financial crimes, it's 80 to 90% of those crimes don't get reported. I think there's a mixture of reasons and probably one of the most standout ones is businesses don't see the value in reporting. You know, It's all downside to them. If they go and disclose something about what happened to them, what benefit they're going to get? They're going to see a prosecution, probably not. Are they going to get any kind of financial relief? Probably not. And what are the risks? The risks are that they're going to see some kind of brand or reputational damage, or they may end up being um, legally um, you know, put into jeopardy. And so we have a lot of work there to show that it's possible to have no fault reporting, that people can come forward, and that there is value in collecting this data. We may not be able to make you whole right now, but we can prevent others from being hurt. Um, and ultimately, um, we as a community can protect each other and have each other's backs. But I fear we have some way to go. Let's start with the bad and then we'll get into the good. You'd mentioned attacks getting simpler. What's allowed them to get simpler? And if it was so easy, why was it why wasn't it happening a year or two ago? I think it was an evolution. So you may recall uh, a, a couple of years ago, the ransomware actors started doing things like um, stealing data as well as encrypting systems. And it was this kind of double gun um, to the victim to try and force them. And then they realized actually that operational harm by encrypting stuff actually crippled the business. And it may not you know, they may be more desired, they may want to pay, but the problem is operationally, they've just been knocked down and it may actually make them harder harder for them to pay. But on the other hand, the pressure of trying to keep data from, from leaking is a really strong pressure for them. And they've realized that actually, you know what, if we just take the data, we still have enough leverage and the company's left intact. So they have now, you know, the the thoughts in their mind of, well, if we just pay quickly, maybe we can hide this and make it go away. Um, and so I think they've sort of moved logically to that. On top of that, um, getting in with malware involves some sort of um, initial access. And in a lot of cases, that's you know low-hanging fruit. They get in through passwords that have been disclosed or weak infrastructure. And sometimes they go to high-end services like initial access brokers, who will sell access to a company for you know, 10, 20, $100. Um, but if they do this just with something like an initial access and not deploy all the extra malware and not rely on the uh, you know RAS service, which will take a cut of them, there's more profit for them. And so I think a lot of them see this as a simpler, uh, less elegant, but very feasible way to make their money. Mm. That's interesting. Let's talk a little bit more on the on the positive side here. I know you were discussing the pu public private partnership and 
and seeing some good early success. What what specifically does good what what exactly does good success or good indications look like in this scenario? And what what are some things that what are some things that have been done or you're try, or are trying to be done in order to cut off the attackers at the source? So uh, good success looks like things um, such as. Um, governments placing sanctions on exchanges that have been flagged to them by the private sector as being, you know, potentially the the places where criminal activity is going on. Um, private sector groups being able to support law enforcement in their gathering of intelligence and in, in their um, pursuing of these criminals. The ability to, you know, provide information back into the community so that businesses can uplift their security so that warnings about vulnerabilities are being sent out on a very you know strong cadence if you look at um uh, CISA's known exploited vulnerability list you know, they've been pumping out vulnerabilities pretty quickly now uh, at, you know, a respectable pace with a fairly short window from when these things are, are being disclosed and that's all giving the private sector the advantage to defend itself. And it also gives the public sector the advantage to defend itself. So this coming together has allowed us to have each other's backs and protect each other. That's good. We need to see more of it. Um, and we have to remember, there are things that the private sector can do that the public sector can't. You know, The private sector has dedicated personnel whose jobs it is literally to follow some of these criminal actors. The public sector doesn't have that kind of diversity of operation. They have to focus on specific operations because you know, it's expensive. They have very uh, high momentum resources, but they're not spread as wide. And so if you combine that um, incredible power of momentum that the public sector can have with this wide view that the and agility that the private sector has, you end up with the ability to move and start hitting these bad guys wherever they pop up. And while I don't think we're quite there yet, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of good signs in terms of us moving there. There's legislation coming out that's starting to say it's possible for companies to disclose incidents in a way that's going to be no fault. Um, that information will then be passed around the um, the government and uh, stats will be passed back so that uh, action can be taken. All of this stuff shows robust support. Um, the uh, um, the Biden executive orders, which are pushing for uh, upgrades to the um, federal infrastructure, are another thing. If we remove low-hanging fruit, we remove the easy access these bad guys can have. Interesting. Uh I did want to turn as well. I know we're a week away from Black Hat USA 2022 coming coming in Las Vegas. And I was wondering for folks who are traveling out to Vegas, what do you feel are some of the biggest cybersecurity trends they should be watching for at this year's show? And I think it's gonna be a lot of the 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 same. Um you know, um we're gonna see a lot of human-oriented stuff again, because if you look at the number of uh breaches that take place. The vast majority of them start with humans. Phishing attacks and identity uh, fraud type attacks are probably the most popular vector to get into companies now. Um, so I would anticipate seeing a lot of that stuff. But something that's happened over the last couple of years is we've started to see a lot of 
new defensive capabilities come out that are capable of detecting attacks while in progress. And that's led to the exposure of quite a lot of um, uh, zero-day vulnerabilities in the wild. And you look at Project Zero's zero-day vulnerability in the wild um, tracker, you'll see that over the last few years, we've doubled, um, maybe even come close to triple, the number of vulnerabilities that are normally caught in the wild. And it's not because more are being produced, it's because more are getting caught and being publicly disclosed. And I would expect that to have an impact on uh, conferences like DEF CON and Black Hat. Um, so you'll see more of this stuff being disclosed. Um, and I'm hoping we'll see some new capabilities coming out as well. So what does it mean for security researchers and defenders that more of these vulnerabilities are being discovered and disclosed? Well, for researchers, it's great news. It, it, it shows that uh, the technologies that are out there are getting better at finding this stuff. We're getting better at picking things out of memory. We're getting better at spotting malicious traffic on the network. Um, so all of that for me is really positive. Um, for the guys who are producing vulnerabilities for sale, I suspect it's probably not as good news because it means the shelf life of your stuff is probably getting much shorter. But you know, as a defender or as a white hat, this is the kind of thing we want to see. Very interesting. Well, Mark, thank you so much here for the time. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. We've been speaking with Mark Rogers. He is the Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy at Okta. For ISMG, this is Michael Novenson. Have a nice day.